What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. I'm really looking forward to today's episode because it's all about the technicians and the veterinarians' relationship. How are the jobs different? What are the roles that each of us play in the clinic? And why is it so important that we work so well as a team? So personally, I really feel that we don't talk about this a whole lot in vet school. And to be honest, technicians are going to be really our biggest asset in practice. Doctors certainly would not be able to do what we do without the great help and guidance that technicians and nurses provide. So today, I'm really thrilled to welcome on Jade Velasquez. She's been a licensed veterinary technician for over 10 years, and she recently became a practice manager. Jade and I actually met a few months back at Western Veterinary Conference in Las Vegas, and I immediately knew that she would have a ton of great advice and great thoughts for vet students and new graduates. She's currently the president of the Washington State's Association of Veterinary Technicians. She's the chair of NAVTA's PR committee, and she also sits on NAVTA's membership committee. She is also a regular guest author for DrAndyWork.com. Guys, Jade really knows what she's talking about. So, Jade, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How about you, Seth? I'm doing well. I am so glad that you've been able to join me tonight. I'm, I'm really excited to pick your brain and get into some really cool conversations and topics about the relationship between vet techs and veterinarians. So thanks for coming on. Definitely. You're so very welcome. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great conversation. Great. So the first question that I have for you is just to get to know you a little bit. So tell us a bit about your background, where you're from, uh, what you do. Sure. So um, basically, I started in the veterinary field as a kennel attendant way too long ago for me to think about. Uh, It's probably been about 17 years now. Um, And then I worked my way up from a kennel attendant to becoming a licensed technician. I'm also a practice manager now. Um, And basically, uh, you know, I've done emergency medicine. I've done day practice. Um, I love the field. Um, I live in Washington State. So I've worked mostly in the field there. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much my story. Uh, I run a Facebook group that's strictly for support staff um, because Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, as well as and you're doing a great thing for, you know, vet students to find a place to come and, you know, feel like people understand what's going on in your world. Um, Sometimes support staff needs that, too. So it's called uh, Veterinary Support Staff Unleashed, and it's on Facebook. We have 11,000 members. So wow, that has good been, for you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's been my passion. And basically, we just go there and uh, support each other um, throughout our victories and sometimes our struggles, uh, and we're there for each other. So it's a really good space. That's terrific. And you brought up a really good buzzword that I I think would be a great way to start off the conversation today, which is getting your point of view of the veterinary practice and the veterinary world, for that matter, from the technician's point of view. So I guess my first question is that we don't get a whole lot of training, at least speaking for myself at Mizzou, about like the actual role of the technician in the hospital and, and how that role plays with the veterinarian's role. So could I ask, in your opinion, what what is the technician's role 
uh, in the hospital. So honestly, you know, I truly believe that the technician's role is really to do, you know, as veterinarians, you guys are diagnosing, prescribing, um, you know, doing physical exams, anything that you guys aren't doing, technicians can be there to educate clients, to, you know, check in rooms, get estimates, make sure things smooth or uh, flow smoothly. Um, technicians are there to support you and honestly make your job easier. Great. And, and what, like, if, if there were a couple of things that really get you jazzed up about your job, what would they be? Like, what, what really motivates technicians to come to work and, and what do they love to do typically? So, you know, every technician's different. For me, I really love um, just being able to connect with clients um, and work with patients feeling like the things I'm doing makes an impact on their recovery or keeping them healthy overall. Um, I definitely love, there will always be love in my heart for emergency medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has been, you know, I love emergency cases, making a difference there. Um, But I think the biggest thing is coming in and using our skills to draw blood, uh, you know, do x-rays, do those cytologies so you guys aren't stuck looking at those things. Um, And, you know, placing catheters, doing calculations, anesthesia, all that, you know, just being able to do a little bit of everything actually really mm-hmm. kind of rounds it out. That's great. That's great to know. So yeah. a, a quick question, just as a veterinary student coming into practice soon, what are you necessarily looking for in your technician or support staff? What do you need from us? That's a great question. I think it's going to be first and foremost, at least with my my own worries and a bit of imposter syndrome right now, is just kind of a confidence booster or someone to bounce ideas off of. I know that you you all will have seen a ton more real life cases than than we will coming right out of school. Um, and just getting that that good feedback from from you all. Am I going about this in the right way? Is this in the right order? Is anything else that I'm missing? Missing um, really using using the technicians and the support staff for that matter as, uh, as teachers and kind of reinforcing what we've been doing for the past four years in school. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, the biggest thing when you're coming into practice, have that small sense of humility and just say, Hey, you know, one of the most, uh, a question that almost made me cry is I was in surgery with a vet and he's the, the new grad I was speaking about earlier. And he was like, do you think, would you close this incision like this? Do you think it looks okay? And I'm yeah. like, I've never closed an incision in my life. <laughs> like first off, but he knew that if it, if it didn't look good, I was, I would tell him, you know, right. And so, you know, I was like, it honestly looked beautiful. And I was like, it looks beautiful. But, you know, being able to ask that question, like, how do you what do you think about this? Is there something I could do differently? Um, and, and having that humility and also, you know, be will being willing to accept feedback and also don't beat yourself up. <laughs> That's the one thing I want any new vet coming in. Don't beat yourself up. We're all learning. We're all in this together. Um, you're going to doubt yourself. We all do. It's okay. 
um, Mm -hmm. and just really realize that being transparent, being open, being honest and always willing to grow and learn, that is the start to a very successful career. So so never lose that. That's great. Um, Before we started to record today, we had mentioned to each other that you find a lot of mentorship in new new veterinary graduates. Definitely. Uh, I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when I actually first started in the field and I was working as an assistant at the time, I started working in an emergency vet hospital and I came, you know, from a small town general practice. So going to ER was a big eye opener on what type of cases we would see. And Mm so it was, it was a little like, wow, what did I get into? Right. Um, I ended up uh, working with a doctor there who who was a newer graduate, and uh, her name was uh, Dr. Lori uh, Bradshaw, and she taught me so much, and we had a phenomenal relationship where she would teach me. I would ask questions. She was always there to answer them. She would show me new ways to do things, or, you know, she taught me how to, I mean, at first measuring a a blood pressure with the Doppler, you know, no one really teaches you that as, you know, an assistant. So she taught me how to do those things and have accurate numbers and, and really monitor um, patients under anesthesia and get what, what's going on with the body. So she was an amazing force um, for me and honestly, really inspired my love for the, you know, the profession overall. Great. Because I know that a lot of our learning, at least in the clinic setting in vet school, a lot of our teaching actually does come from the technicians. And and I have become even more grateful for the technicians uh, everywhere because they have so much knowledge and, and they just want to help out the veterinarians. Because after all, it, it, we're all a team. And, exactly. And I think that's actually one of the the things I wish we had we would talk a little bit more about in school and probably talk about a little bit more in general outside of school too, is that you're only as strong as, as the team is strong because you, you cannot do this job alone as I know, you know, outside in practice. So just to, because you're out in the real world, we're kind of not in the real world yet. We're just totally in this controlled, weird environment called vet school. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's it like working as a team and having technicians and doctors working together and and reception staff and what's that whole dynamic like and and can you explain why that's so important oh definitely so i mean the most important thing is obviously realizing we are all part of a team and it can be really easy to lose sight of that when you're looking at you know the cases coming in the door you know having to write up charts having to make sure things are done in a timely manner you can kind of lose focus on that and so that can be a little challenging Mm -hmm. remembering that we're all in this together is really important and honestly it really starts with us you know whether you're a technician or you're just coming into practice just remembering that Um, One of my 
favorite doctors that I ever worked with. I won't I, I won't say his name, but he was amazing. He came in and he was like, you know, so welcoming to the support staff, uh, you know, the receptionists, the assistants, the technicians. Mm-hmm. And he came in and he was like, OK, I want to know how you guys do it here. And so we taught him, you know, the protocols, um, procedures, how things were kind of done. And I remember him and I started working together in dentistry and he was like, you know, we learned some extractions in school, but I literally have like, I'm frustrated. I don't know how to do this like in real life, you know, and you, you're kind of thrown in and you just do it. And he was getting really frustrated and he was honestly a great veterinarian. His technique was fabulous, but he just he just needed some support. So I ended up actually, you know, there was one day he literally his head's in his hands and he's like, I I just can't do this. You know, I feel like my extractions are taking too long and and things aren't going well. And so I literally went and pulled up some information, you know, on local nerve blocks and extraction techniques and doing skin flaps and all that. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done those personally because I can't I don't extract teeth, but I can tell him the technique I've worked with, you know, uh, people who have a special interest in dentistry and I walked him through it all and I talked him through it, you know, with our next case. And he honestly improved so much in dentistry and was able to, you know, just really say, okay, this is how it's done. You know, if he's struggling, I can say, Hey, you know, move on to another tooth and we'll come back to this one. And he was just really open and appreciative for any of the knowledge that I could pass on to him. And so it really started a really good professional relationship of helping each other out and bouncing ideas off each other. Cool. It kind of sounds like you were a bit of a cheerleader for him. Oh, definitely. Uh, Honestly, you know, that is part of the technician's job is to really... um, support the veterinarians as they come in. I mean, when you're working with veterinarians who have been in in practice for a little while, I mean, everyone knows Dr. So-and-so, he's been around for years. But when you have a new grad coming in, you really have to boost up their, you know, mentality of how how well they're practicing and and encourage them and also, you know, put that out there to clients, you know, Dr. So-and-so's great with Fluffy, you know, uh, the dental went amazingly well today, you know, and just really boosting the vet up um, and, and doing that to the clients and to them personally, because, I mean, coming into a new situation, somebody needs that, you know? Right. Definitely. And I, I guess my my next topic that I want to discuss is what your pet peeves are <laughs> of, of new new vet grads coming into practice. Because I know for me, I know that I'm not going to know. I mean, I feel like I'm not going to know anything when I get out. I know I will, but I'm, I'm literally scared shitless to, to get out and work. But yeah. um, very excited at the same time. But anyways, I know there are a lot of things that that new grads do that are not going to be what we will be doing two years, five years, 10 years down the road. We just have to learn in, in the real world. Um, But from your point of view, what are some things that new grads do that tend to, I don't want to say tick off technicians, but may not be 
in the best practice, both for the team, for the flow, uh, medicine in general, maybe? Are there anything, anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, you know, for the most part, I don't have a, a ton of pet peeves, but the one that I, I think is the biggest one is, and I understand that you, you guys being students and when you become veterinarians, you're like, this is my dream. I'm living it. It's awesome. I've achieved this. Um, I think that's awesome. But a lot of times when new grads come into practice, they feel like they've kind of, they've achieved. And so Mm -hmm. they kind of put off this air of, well, I know now, like I'm a veterinarian now, you know, right. And that can really kind of just, it it makes it difficult to communicate with someone like that um, because we're all still learning. So, uh, you know, when veterinarians come in and they're like, oh, you know, I know everything because, you know, I've got that degree now. And yes, it is valued. Yes, it is important. But we can't feel like we've arrived. We have to keep working um, and being willing to learn. So that to me is my biggest pet peeve, I guess you could say. Um, It it makes it hard for the staff to be welcoming and and feel confident and and trust a veterinarian who feels like they've arrived the second they walk in the door. So, right. Would you would you say that you see any I guess we can call it doctor complexes with new grads? Like just like you said, we've achieved it. We've graduated. We can call ourselves doctor now. Therefore, maybe sometimes new grads feel like they they may have more status in the hospital or they have a bit of a inflated ego when they come out. It can happen. And, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. I think, honestly, the real world kind of puts that to an end pretty quickly Um, as far as, you know, you realize, okay, you know, I come in, I'm a veterinarian now. I, you know, may think I'm above everyone else, but pretty quickly you realize that, you know, it's a wonderful field, but there are things that come with it and uh, it's not always going to be textbook. (laughs) Um, So I think that that can change pretty quickly. Um, And that just has to be a person kind of developing as they come through. You know, they may come in and be like, oh, I'm a doctor now. And, you know, kind of standoffish to the staff or feel like they don't need to do something because that's below Mm -hmm. them. But pretty quickly, they'll realize that if we want to achieve, um, you know, the results we want and help the patients we want to, we all have to work together. So being, you know, digging your heels in the ground and being like, I'm too good for that now isn't really going to (laughs) work. Right. No, definitely. And the the reason that I wanted to ask that question about pet peeves is that I'm wondering from, from your point of view and from the technician's point of view, is there anything that comes to mind that you wish new grads had better skills at, or they knew more about right when they left vet school? Is there anything that you think we're missing in the curriculum? Yeah. I mean, I know that, I mean, hands-on stuff's always going to be hard. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get that experience when you come in. Um, I think that really uh, discussing things like compassion fatigue, burnout, um, is super important because new grads coming in, you've achieved this, and then you get into it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? 
Um, So really learning about those things and and how to deal with them in the real world is super important. Um, I think also communication, whether it's with clients um, or the staff, learning how to communicate in high tension situations or dealing with office dynamics in a way that's productive. Um, I feel like you know, you can come out and know the whole, you know, physiology of the body, but you have to be able to talk to the people that own that pet. <laughs> right. So. Right. <laughs> Definitely. And that's, that's actually a great segue into kind of this communication topic, which I would love to hear thoughts about, because that is one of the areas that I think we uh, we lack a little bit in the vet school curriculum. And I know that learning communication skills and styles and and just how to talk to people out in in practice is really hard to do without actually doing it. Yeah. But with your your background in, in management and as a technician and just your 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 expertise in being in the field, how can how can new grads or even vet students get a little bit more comfortable with the whole communication aspect? You know, as far as that goes, a lot of it really is going to come through with, you know, the experience and learning. Um, but also the biggest thing I would say is, is find a mentor, find someone mm-hmm. that you can trust in the field, whether it's another doctor or a technician or, you know, the practice manager, someone that you can come and talk to and say, hey, you know, this is the situation I'm dealing with. How wow. can I go about making this better? Um, so that definitely can be super helpful. For me, one of the biggest things, and this is going to sound kind of cheesy, was the uh, Myers-Briggs testing is looking at and realizing what personality type, and I'm using air quotes, we are, and what, you know, personalities we're dealing with in the workplace. Um, When I was a technician, before I was even a practice manager, I kind of bugged all my, you know, coworkers and was like, okay, guys, you got to take this test because I want to yeah. know about your personality. And they're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, seriously. And it really does help you kind of key into, you know, we all have things that we're passionate about. We all have personality traits and figuring out how to work with those people. Some people aren't into direct confrontation and, um, you know, need to be talked to privately, learning how to do that. Um, so really kind of keying into people's personality traits and paying attention to what works for them is really important. Right. And, and if there were, or not if, but when there are conflicts in, in, the, in the practice, how do you deal with that, especially with someone or two people that have completely different personality types? It it can be challenging at times. Um, The biggest thing, you know, you have to ask me whether I'm coming in as a technician or as a practice manager. Right. Um, The biggest thing for me is getting people to have communication and actually talk about it. A lot of the times when you're dealing with staff conflict, it's about a misunderstanding or thinking that someone feels a certain way 
or, you know, this person acted this way and it made me feel this way. So what really happened um, and finding a way to actually talk about it with each other and just say, hey, you know, I, I maybe I didn't appreciate how you talked to me. Were you upset at me? Was there something that I was doing that could make this better? And maybe this person's like, you know, I, I was just a little stressed. Um, so the biggest thing is getting people to talk about it and actually be open. Um, and sometimes you just have to agree to disagree and just say, right. you know, hey, we're we're all in this together. We're all trying to do the best we can for patient care, but we just can't agree on this one topic and we have to let it go because we have to work together, you know. Right. So. Right. And, and I would second that, too, is that I, at least in my career previous to vet school uh, and just being being. Uh, a little bit experienced in, in a professional environment before school, communication is so important and it does not get enough, um, not enough stage time, if you will, because like you said, it's oftentimes conflicts, in my opinion, at least, are from a breakdown or a misunderstanding, just like you said. And I've seen that too in the hospital, whether that's between doctors or between the vet students and the doctors, or the residents or whoever it is, everyone is... is uh, they want the, the best for whatever situation it is. There, no one is trying to go behind anyone's back or no one's trying to do anything uh, malicious or, or what have you. There's just some breakdown or misunderstanding or something got lost in translation that is when everything went awry. So I've, I really try to be as open as possible and to to make sure everyone understands what I'm saying, just because I, I may say something that may be in a whole different language than than someone else on the on the receiving. And so uh, I know that that can get a lot of people into trouble uh, just with conflict and, and all of that. Oh, definitely. I mean, honestly, just being aware that, you know, we all perceive things differently and we all internalize things differently. And someone can say something and you think they're hearing one thing and they're hearing something totally different. And that may be not even based on anything work related. It could be I had a bad morning um, and just kind of acknowledging that and being able to talk through it and, you know, respect each other when you need time to kind of work it out, um, you know, is really important. We've just got to keep talking to each other, basically. Right. And it actually reminds me of a story I heard in the hospital a few days ago that isn't really an internal conflict, but it it was a, uh, a conflict that did not need to be a conflict between a doctor and a client. And it just reminds me all about this. So it's kind of funny in the end, it wasn't funny at the time, but figure I'd share it. Um, it, they were talking with a, a client about doing a dental procedure, dental cleaning, just totally routine. And, and the doctor said, well, so for this routine cleaning, we're going to put your dog to sleep with some anesthesia, clean the teeth, and then he'll go home. And that's what it was. And the owners left and the hospital never heard from them again. And then they eventually were able to follow up. Uh, and I think it may have been because of a negative review on an, on an internet site, um, because what the client heard when the doctor said, we're going to put them to sleep with anesthesia was that we're going to euthanize your dog. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and that totally just made the point that, that even though what we're saying to the client makes total sense to us and like, why, how could this not make any sense to, to them is that they don't have the training we do. They don't have the, the jargon, the, the lingo, something could mean something completely different to them. Um, 
So I just thought that was very interesting and, and really made the point. Oh, absolutely. And that's a, one of the things, I mean, you get tied into the veterinary lingo. And a lot of times, you know, we all have our own acronyms or ways of saying things. Oh, we're going to knock him down. Like that sounds awful to a client, right. you know? Um, so just being aware that, yes, this is our world, but we have to be able to explain it in a way that clients understand, or this is how we're thinking, but how can we explain it so that the staff can understand? Right. All right. Well, let's switch gears. I want to ask about some of your management experience, too, because that that sounds, I mean, for me, that is a really interesting part of, of this industry. How do you manage to manage and also be a technician how does that the those two play a role in your in your day-to-day day life well honestly for me the biggest thing when i was looking for a practice management position i was like i need at least a day a week as a tech like i could never not be a technician right. um so um i kind of i manage most of the time i am out on the floor um for me the biggest thing coming into practice I didn't want to come in as a practice manager and be just the practice manager. I wanted to show people that as a technician, I've been in the trenches. I, you know, have experienced all the pressures and all the stresses that can happen. And I want to be able to help people work through those. So to me, coming in as a, you know, a newer practice manager, I was like, you know, honestly, I just want to get to know the staff, work alongside them. And eventually they're able to gain like trust and say, oh, you're not here to boss me around because that's not my end goal. Um, My goal is to really just gain the trust. And with that, I can get everyone to work for the same goals. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, coming in as a practice manager, being a technician as well, it's really closely aligned. Um, And the biggest thing that I love about practice management is it allows me to look at the big picture and not just the immediate issue. So, you know, and helping people work through that because it's really easy and I've done it um, to just look at the situation at hand and, you know, feel that stress. But you have to look at how does this affect, you know, patient care? How does this affect how the clients are treated? How does this affect staff morale, the, the success of the hospital? Really looking at all that and kind of piecing it together and using my technician skills to really help you know, promote that and work alongside people with that. Totally. And I, I, I'm, I know that you're probably biased on this question, but I'll ask it anyways. Your thoughts on the importance of having a practice manager in the, in the hospital or in the practice. I've seen a lot of clinics that the owner will also act as the manager or there just won't be a manager at all. I, I think about this because I'm, I'm about a year away from graduation, getting that first job. Uh, hallelujah. Um, but looking at practices that may or may not have a practice manager and how that could affect day-to-day life, I could potentially see some conflicts where the veterinary owner, if he or she is trying to do too much, they cannot uh, manage the, their time to be a practicing veterinarian and also a practice manager, is that going to be a problem? No, I see where you're going there. And honestly, I I really think that um, 
One of the biggest things I would say coming, you know, whatever you're looking for a job in a practice, if they don't have a practice manager, I kind of wonder how efficient things are going to be. Right. Um, and that's not anybody's fault. That doesn't mean that you have an owner that doesn't care um, or anything like that. Basically, the biggest thing that we have in vet med is that we like to take on a little too much or a lot right. too much. <laughs> and right. so, you know, there are veterinarians that think they don't need a practice manager or they can handle it. And maybe they feel like they are to a degree and managing their cases. But, you know, a practice manager is going to have more time to call, a, you know, an upset client than a veterinarian is you know, when they're writing up charts and have to call back on lab work and they're dealing with cases, they're going to have more time to do that. Um, they're going to have more time to really focus on growing the business and not just that, but making sure that the staff is happy, that everyone has the same goals. There's only so much we can do in a day in whatever profession we choose. And unfortunately, when we try and wear too many hats, um, efficiency goes downhill. Morale can go downhill. And that's just simply because we can't do it all. <laughs> totally. No, I, I've totally seen that even even in the vet school setting also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I asked that also for the students out there that have goals of one day owning a practice. And I know that I've spoken with a lot of students, especially in the VBMA, and I thought a lot uh, about this myself is that I really love the business aspect. And I really love the management part of, of our industry. But of course, I want to practice medicine. That's why I got into this. And I don't know if there's time to do both. But it sounds like, to me, based on your experience, that a practice manager can really help alleviate some of that those pain points of, of trying to do everything. Like you said, trying to wear too many hats. I think there's a place for, for the management side if a veterinarian wants to do it, but but relying on a manager that is not him or her can really benefit the medicine and therefore the care of your patients and clients. Absolutely. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, we all get into this because we live, we love medicine and we love what we're doing. And honestly, as a veterinarian, you love diagnosing, practicing, seeing the patients, dealing with the clients, that kind of thing. Um, but there's there's the extra stuff that, you know, makes things kind of oils the machine. You know, you're talking about payroll, you're talking about dealing with client complaints or staff morale issues. Um, you're talking about ordering supplies for the hospital. And I'm not saying that a veterinarian can't do those things. I'm just saying that, you know, it's hard to be effective when you're, you're spread too thin and you're trying to do too many things at once. Totally. And I look at also from the point of view of, do what you're trained to do and what can make the most money for the practice. And I know that money's not everything, but but in the business side of all of this, that is what's going to drive the success of your practice. That's what's going to keep the doors open. And for me, I look at it through the lens of the doctor's role is to provide medical care, to prescribe, diagnose, yada, yada, yada. That's their big contribution to the revenue stream of the practice. It's not going to be, like you said, ordering drugs or making the schedule or doing employee reviews every week or whatever it is. Somebody that is a practice manager or a technician that is 
trained to do that um, and really enjoys doing that and is good at it can that can be a much more efficient use of their time and of their skills and keep them happy uh, with with their job. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I really I appreciate uh, veterinarians that come in and they have that team mentality and they want to help out and they want to pull blood and they want to do everything. But the biggest thing to remember is that that's not really sustainable. And right. um, it's one of those things that exactly do what um, you do best and what you're trained to do and, you know, why clients are coming in. They're coming in for your knowledge um, and to see you and get to know you. You don't need to be, you know, contacting disgruntled clients if it can be alleviated through someone else talking to them. You don't need to be doing the schedule. Um, do what you are trained for and you don't necessarily have to deal with. If you have a practice manager who you trust, who has the same vision as you, they can handle it and take care of it for you and um, allow you to be more successful and productive. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. Okay. So to wrap it all up, I have one more question for you. One more, I guess, overarching topic for you. And that is the importance of having registered or licensed or certified, what have you, technicians on staff versus just say a veterinary assistant or an untrained or a formally untrained technician. Um, I've learned firsthand, obviously, through school and from doing several externships and just shadowing outside of the vet school that it's it's night and day between the experience and the skill set of a formally trained technician versus someone that's not. Um, But I think far too often, whether it's it's a cost thing, whether I have no idea why it would be, but there are not as many licensed technicians out in in the industry right now that there should be mm-hmm. um what, what are your thoughts on that well you know i have an interesting perspective on that um so when i it really depends on your state first off because the way the states they are not a hundred percent consistent across the board on what mm-hmm. a licensed versus unlicensed technician can do or assistant um so it really depends on that um being that i live in washington uh when i actually came in to the field um there was the grandfather clause so i worked in the field you know and learned as much as i could and you know studied and had to have people sign off on my skills for five years and then i was able to sit for the vtne Mm -hmm. Um, and actually become a licensed technician. Uh, So it's not to be said that it can't be done, that you can't learn those things. However, I do feel that if I had had the opportunity to go to school, I would have much preferred that. (laughs) I would have made less mistakes in my career. I would have, you know, come in... Um, with a solid foundation as opposed to, you know, grasping at, oh, I, I'm lucky this vet's a great mentor because if they weren't, then where would I have gained this knowledge from? Yeah. Um, so I really overall feel that, um, you know, 
licensed technicians, you need them in your hospitals, whether it's about legality. Um, in Washington state, there are certain things that only licensed technicians can do. Um, extractions, uh, inducing anesthesia, intubating, cystocentesis. Those mm -hmm. are the things that, um, you know, only technicians, licensed technicians can do. And I think that you can train people to do certain things, but it's just going to take a lot longer and it's not structured. So we really are moving to the point that schooling is going to be a benefit. If you, you know, having the benefit of a licensed technician who has that education that was packed into, you know, their program is awesome. Um, but I see the benefit of real world experience as well. It's just a bigger struggle and more of an uphill battle to really get the knowledge you need to do the things you need to do. Totally. And that actually is a great way to bring it back full circle because it sounds to me, or at least what I took away from that is, is that there is is that there are so many roles in the clinic and there are so many different backgrounds and people, uh, credentials, all of that, and they all play a very, very important role. And, and we should really try to make our staff as balanced as possible and really appreciate what everyone is doing all the way from the, the owner and the doctor to the technicians and the assistants and the kennel staff. I mean, everyone is going to play a really vital role in keeping, keeping the engine running. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is working with each other to achieve that success. You know, as a technician, I will, you know, teach my assistants. I will teach you how to draw blood. I will teach you what tests need to be ran. I will teach you about medications. That's what I can do. As a doctor, they can teach me more about physiology. You know, a practice owner can teach me a little bit more about how the business operates, how that functions. Um, we all have something to teach each other and we all have something to learn. And so working together and truly appreciating each other and, and helping each other grow is so important. Absolutely. Could not agree more. The last thing that I wanted to briefly talk about is, uh, is right before we started to record and then as we were emailing back and forth before we actually got to talk was one of the big th ideas that I had about our conversation tonight brought me back to the movie Jerry Maguire and the help me help you line. And I just wanted to get your two cents on how can in both ways, how can the vets help the techs and how can the techs help the vets and, and, and how, how do we go about showing, I guess, appreciation for one another? Um, honestly, Appreciation is the biggest part. We all want to feel valued. We all want to feel that we contribute. So giving genuine thanks where thanks is due, um, whether someone placed an IV catheter and it went great or your day went smoothly, um, thanking each other and actually valuing what we can bring each other is so important. Um, just saying thank you to each other and meaning it can go a really long way to creating, you know, a positive culture and uh, emphasis on teamwork. Totally. I could not have said it better. And I think that um, there's a lot of um, a lot of times we forget the little things like saying thank you, saying please. It sounds so mundane and and 
elementary, but, but I think it's true is that being kind is remember that we're all human and, and saying thank you and, and giving feedback when it's due is, is really important. Definitely. Definitely. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Jade. This, it was great getting your point of view and getting your wisdom and, and, and two cents from the technician point of view and the, the practice manager point of view. I really think that that there's a lot to take home here, both for vet students and for new grads and, and hopefully even seasoned vets too. So, so thank you so much again. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Seth. It was a lot of fun. And I think uh, we had some good conversation. Definitely. So one more huge thank you to Jade Velasquez for joining me on the podcast tonight. Some really, really awesome insight and some things to take to heart for all of us in vet school and, and even new grads. And last but certainly not least, thank you for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. For resources and more information, be sure to check out the website at www.vetschoolunleashed.com. Definitely find me on Instagram at Seth the Almost Vet and on Facebook. You can also reach out to me via email at Seth at vetschoolunleashed.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast, and I'd also love to hear any suggestions or topics you'd want to hear us talk about. Even reach out if you want to be on the podcast yourself and share some insight of your own. And of course, if you feel so inclined, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe. Thank you again, and we will talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM. <laughs> <laughs>